We're starting a message series today, and we're looking at the model prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. And my goal in this series, I'm just going to lay it out there for you, is to encourage you to pray and to give you some practical handles on how to do that. Um, we're going to learn directly from the Master, from Jesus himself. We're going to look at the, the model prayer and see what he was saying in it and how he has given us the guidance that he has. Me personally, I feel like I'm just learning to pray in many ways. I committed my life to Christ when I was 11. That was 40 years ago, so I'm revealing you know, my age. Um, and then I've been a pastor for 20, 21 years, almost 22 years. And I feel like I'm just learning about prayer in many, many ways. But I know this. I know that God answers my prayers. And I, I know that he uses prayer and my conversations with him to listen to me and to communicate with me. He, he gives me what I need. Um, I, I hear from him through his word. And then he also speaks on, on a heart-to-heart level. Sometimes he communicates acceptance, approval. He brings encouragement, at times correction. And I, I, every time he brings a correction, I know it's out of love and kindness to me, trying to help me with what I'm dealing with. But God has changed me through my prayer life, through my conversations with him. And uh, he makes a difference in the world. I have seen him as I have prayed over the years, I have seen him respond by uh, making his purpose uh, come through as I prayed toward that end. It, it's, been an, it's an amazing thing that God has allowed us to participate with him in what he's doing in this world. One of the primary ways we do that is by praying, by talking to him. Um, it's, it's the most important thing that you can do for the people that you love the most important thing that you can do. We, we forget that, but it is. And actually, love, it turns out, is the motivator for prayer. We're, we're going to dig into that in a little bit. But Jesus prayed all the time. He, he prayed when his schedule got demanding, when the crowds were crushing him. He pulled away, had a retreat, and prayed. Got things over with his father. He, he prayed before he chose the 12 disciples. He spent the night in prayer. So before important decisions, he spent time in prayer. He talked it over with God. Uh, when tragedy struck, his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. He, he pulled away and talked to God about that. Um, he, he prayed constantly. Uh, when he worried about his friend, Peter, who was going to betray him, or I don't know if he worried about it, but when he anticipated it, he, he prayed. He prayed over Simon that his faith would not fail. Even though he was going to deny him and betray him, he prayed that he'd be strengthened after that denial. And so he, he prayed for him. When he was facing the terrible events of his arrest and crucifixion, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he spent a, a, a lot of time praying, a, a bunch of time talking that over with God, wrestling. God, is there any other way? Things weren't automatic for him. He, he wrestled and struggled, and he took his wrestlings and his strugglings to God, and he talked those things over with him, and he asked God for perspective and help and strength and 
and grace, and God came through. One guy said that the disciples had a front row seat to the greatest prayer of all time. (laughs) And so what that did is it piqued their curiosity. And thankfully, one of them asked a great question. And we're going to read about it here in Luke 11, 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say. And he gives them a pattern. It's it's not so much words to say and repeat over and over again, although we can say these words from the heart and, and it's a valid way to pray. But he's giving a pattern, a model that we're to follow. So he says this. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Begin with praise. That's how prayer starts. You start with praise. Your kingdom come. You get your heart set on cooperating with God. Not my kingdom, God. Not my will. But your kingdom. Uh, give us each day our daily bread. So you make some requests. It's okay to bring your needs to God, to ask him for stuff, to, to petition him. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness is a part of our regular prayer. If if you refuse to forgive, if there's a something in you that's holding forgiveness back, that that clogs your relationship with God. And so God wants you to work through that on a regular basis as you pray. This is a normal pattern for your prayers. And lead us not into temptation. We're to pray for spiritual protection. That's that's a key aspect. So in this series, we're going to let Jesus teach us about prayer. And we're going to use this model as the outline, which is what God intended, for learning how to pray. This prayer is a model that outlines the content of our prayer. It doesn't really give us the content of our prayer as much as it outlines the content of of our prayer. And, And Jesus, as he talks about, as he modeled prayer himself, as he prayed, and as the disciples watched, and then as he began to teach about prayer and as he began to talk about it, Jesus explains and showed us that prayer is a conversation with God at a heart level. That's, that's, that's what prayer is. It's a conversation with God at a heart-to-heart level. And love is the primary motivator for prayer. Love and a loving relationship with God is at the heart of prayer. That's, that's what it's all about. Love is what motivates us to prayer. We, we pray out of a desire to please God, and we ask for his help to do what he wants us to do. And we pray out of a love for the people God's put in our life and a desire for God's blessing to come to them and God's help and strength to come to them as well. Even our enemies, Jesus says, <laughs> we're to pray for we, we pray versus just worrying about it and trying to help people out of our own strength. We pray, and God gets involved. As we pray, God acts. He responds, and, and he comes through. It begins to work. So Jesus shows us that prayer is much more than a life preserver. That You know, when you're going down, starting to sink, you, you, you grab the life preserver. And that is actually okay. God wants that. A lot of times he... he he arranges the circumstances in our lives many times. We bring them on ourselves. And God intends for the struggle and the pain and the, the, the hard times to draw us to himself. So it's okay to, to pray, God, help me. 
<laughs> help me right now. I need your help. That's, that's a valid prayer. But it's not the whole thing. It's, it's not the whole spectrum of what God wants us to pray about and talk to him about. It's much, it's much bigger than that. Prayer grows and grows out of a right understanding of God and his love for us. That, that's, that's the atmosphere in which we're to pray. A distorted knowledge of God stymies our prayer life. If we see him as critical and demanding and easily upset, then we're, we're walking on eggshells around him and we're, you know, we're not quite sure how to say it, what to say. We're a little nervous. We've got to say just the right things. But that's not how God is. He, he just wants us to talk to him. He, he, he wants us to approach him, who, the one who is a loving father, and, and talk to him about what's on our heart. You know, a small, small child cannot draw a bad picture, can they? A two, three-year-old, they draw a picture. Oh, that is, that is the greatest, is that the greatest thing? You ever had a parent turn to you and say, is this amazing? And you're thinking, sure, it's amazing. (laughs) You know, the parent is just nuts about the drawing. A small child can't draw a bad picture. And a child of God cannot really pray a bad prayer to a loving father. He wants to know what's on your heart. He already knows. He wants you to share it with him. He wants you to talk to him about it. Because in that talking with him about it, in that conversation, he, he changes you. And he helps you. And he relates to you in a way that, that you will not experience if you don't take the time to talk it over with him. So before giving us the model prayer, Jesus laid it out. He covers in... Um, Matthew 6. I read Luke 11 before. The, the prayer is also found in Matthew 6, and it's an expanded version. I think it's not the same prayer in the two books for a reason. You know, we, we, he, God never intended it for it to be a rote thing, that we just pray mindlessly. That's not, it's not his goal. It's a pattern for us to learn from. But before he gets into it, Matthew 6, which is the one that we're going to work through in this series, he uncovers two common errors in prayer. First one is a faulty focus. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. A hypocrite, that word in the Greek that this was originally written in, literally means a stage actor. Somebody who's pretending to be what they're not. So don't be a hypocrite when you pray. For the hypocrites love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. What, what the people he's addressing that statement to were the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of his day. And they, what they did is they set a time schedule for, for prayer. You pray at 6 in the morning, 9 in the morning, 12 noon, 3 in the afternoon, and 6 in the evening. And no matter where you are, you stop and pray at those times. And so they got really good at just sort of sauntering by the busiest intersection of the city right at 12 noon when most of the people would be there. And they would stop and begin to pray loudly because their goal was to impress the people around them. They wanted people to be amazed at their goodness. Jesus says, knock that off. (laughs) Don't do that. That is not the goal of prayer. 
Prayer is not about being religious. It's not about looking good. It's not about impressing anyone else. It's about going before the living God who loves you, your Father, and talking things over with him. So he says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Genuine prayer is focused on, uh, on talking to your Father, not on impressing others to prove your goodness. The focus of genuine prayer is the Father. God doesn't operate on a point system. He's not going to give you points for praying. And sometimes we look at prayer that way. If I pray enough, I can get the, the, the leverage bar under what I want enough so I can you know, lift it up and get it rolling in the, way, in the direction that I'd like. Um, God doesn't operate that way. Our relationship with God, we didn't earn it. We never earned his approval. It's based on grace, unmerited favor. He gives us his favor because he loves us, not because we've done anything to earn it. Our relationship with God continues in the same way. He, he pours his grace into our hearts. We cannot earn a right relationship with God. We can only humbly accept what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's the case every time we bow our heads in prayer, every time we pray while we're driving, and hopefully our eyes are open, <laughs> every time we think and turn our thoughts to prayer, we, we're humbly accepting what God has done. Pride is a major obstacle in prayer, and that's what Jesus is saying. It's not about you. It's not about your goodness. It's about God and what he wants to do. Second common error is misplaced trust. It says in uh, 7 and 8, it says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. This is referred to as vain repetition in in another translation. Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they, they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, prayer doesn't inform God of anything. He already knows. He, he, he already knows what you're saying. But he delights in the expression of dependence that prayer is. It's an expression of your dependence on God and my dependence on him. And he wants to use prayer and that expression of dependence to help us gain a right attitude and perspective toward life. And so he wants us to pray regularly. It's, it's the reverse of what Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, did in the garden. What they did is they decided to bust through his boundaries and eat the fruit that he told them not to eat so that they could live life independent of God. Prayer is the exact opposite of that. It's an expression of dependence on the living God who gave you and I life. It's asking him to work in and through the circumstances of your life and in and through you to do what he wants to do. So Jesus says, Mindlessness is one of the biggest obstacles to prayer. The wrong and a wrong focus in prayer is my own effort in doing it. Sometimes we think you ever you ever worry about something and you're afraid if you if you let the thoughts go out of your mind that it's not going to be dealt with, and so you just you, you the CD just keeps rolling or the MP3 whatever you want to call it. It's just the the tapes are playing. And you're worried and you're thinking, oh. we do that with prayer. Oh, God, please. Oh, God. Oh, God, please do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. 
And we're trusting in our own effort, not the one we're praying to. That's what Jesus, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. When you pray, you're putting your trust in God. The right focus in prayer is to trust the God who loves you to do what's best. That's, that's what Jesus is saying here. That's the right focus. God always wants our words and our hearts to match, so he doesn't want us to just mindlessly say stuff. He, he wants us to pour out our hearts to him and watch him work as, as we pray. Jesus then goes on after he talks about these couple errors in prayer. He teaches us how to tune in with God in Matthew 6, 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There, there is not a record of anyone addressing God as Father until Jesus began to do it. So it was sort of, it was very controversial. It was it caused a, an uproar in his religious community. But he's showing us, as he breaks new ground, in calling God Father, he's, he's teaching us how to pray, and it shows us two things. A tender, respectful love for God, and at the same time, a confidence in his love for us. So he's teaching us to approach God as a loving Father. He says to pray, Our Father. This is how the prayer begins, Our Father in heaven. Now, there are two people who have called me dad for their entire lives. And, sorry, got to me. (laughs) It's unpredictable what gets to me. (laughs) But when I hear their voice, they get my attention. And now there's a third who's begun to call me dad. Dad got married. My son got married in January. And, you know, she's learning to call me dad. And I'm learning to hear her call me dad, and I'm glad for that, and she would get my attention as well in a special way. But uh, that's how it goes with God. Jesus is saying, our Father. When we, when we address him that way, when we approach him as our Father, it's a very tender, loving relationship that we have. And <clears throat> he gets our attention, or we get his attention. We're privileged with that. Love is the pure motive behind genuine prayer. A love for God and a love for the people that he's put in our lives. Prayer is the way that we go home to be with our Father, wherever we are. doesn't matter uh, what geographical location we're in, it, it, what physical place we find ourselves, we can go right home right then to be with our Father and talk things over with him. Jesus gives us a family prayer that's focused on the Father and his name, his kingdom, his will, because these things are the best. And there is no concern of yours that God doesn't want to hear about. There is none. He wants to hear about it all, no matter how small it seems. Sometimes we catch ourselves thinking, I don't really want to bother God with this. He has other stuff, you know, bigger fish to fry than deal with this problem. He's got world peace he's trying to, to pull off, you know. And actually, he's, he's not so focused on world peace. He's focused on making things right at the end of history. But world peace is not, not, not going to happen until he makes things right. Then there will be peace. 
But he is big enough. He has the mind to handle your prayers and mine, no matter how small. And he wants to hear them. He's not bothering. You're not pestering God as you pray about the, the details of your life, the things. He wants us to lay that before him. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying, you know, I just don't want to bother God with this. But you know what? That reveals a distorted picture of God. We don't really understand his heart for us. We don't understand his ability to um, hear us and his desire to hear us. So he, he wants us to talk to him and he wants to give us good. Matt, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If, if we can't offer a simple, heartfelt prayer to God, then there's, there's something distorted in our understanding of him. If we can't just lay our needs before him and our concerns, then we need to go back and get the right understanding of God so that we can do that. Because that's what Jesus says we should do, and that's what you get from Scripture. Second thing uh, Jesus says is, Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we're to give honor to his name, to God's name. A name in the Bible always is a reflection of a person's character and identity, and their reputation is wrapped up in that name. The Pharisees, the guys who stood in the middle of the busy streets and prayed, they were focused on their own name and reputation. That's what mattered to them. That's what was wrong with that. But the right kind of prayer is focused on God's name and his reputation. You know, we have, most of us work, and we have, boss, we have a boss, and uh, you, you go to the boss, and you make requests. You ask for permissions, and you, you make requests for resources. And the boss is going to give permissions and resources to help the company advance, to help the company accomplish what it's trying to accomplish. It's the same with God. He, he is going to grant permissions and offer resources to accomplish what he wants done in the entire world, not just in your life or my life, what, he want, you know, what we want done, but he's going to give permissions and provide resources to accomplish what he's trying to do in the entire world, to bless the world through us, those of us who call him Father, those of us who have turned around from going our own way and decided to make him boss, he, he wants to, to take us and use us. And so as we go to him, we need to realize, he, hallowed be your name, Father. We, this is your reputation. This is your character. This is your identity. And I need to get my heart set in prayer to accomplish his purpose. Hallowed means completely separate from earthly purposes, earthly things. It means to be completely separated from that. So when you say, hallowed be your name, what you're really saying is, God, it's not just about me, it's about you. And I want you to use me. I want you to take my, my lips, my words, my conversations, my thoughts, my life. I want you to use my family. I want you to take my work, the work that I'm doing. And I want you to use it to honor your holy name. 
I, I want your name to be hallowed. If we pray this prayer and don't intend to live that, then we're unplugging from it. And we, we're not understanding what we're praying. It's a hollow prayer. So we're to pray this prayer and to make this statement. And behind that, it reminds us to live for the Father whose name we bear. It's an amazing thing. When you commit your life to follow Christ, you take his name. The name of the Father. You're, you're a Christian. You're one of his children. And you bear his holy name. And so when you say, hallowed be your name, God, this statement reminds you and I to live for the Father. The truth is that a lot of other names dominate our days. Our husband or our wife, our, um, our friends, our boss, our boyfriend or girlfriend. There are gods that dominate our day, gods of money, health, achievement, these things. But, but when you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, what you're saying is, God, I want you and your name to be the number one priority in the way I live my life because I'm carrying your reputation with me. And we don't do that perfectly. The amazing thing is God loves us in spite of our faults, and he uses us even when we mess up. But as we pray this prayer, what we're saying is, God, help me. Help me to bring honor to your holy name in the way I conduct my life. May your name be hallowed in my life and my heart. It's amazing that God lets us do this, lets us carry his name. And, and his reputation. This is how David prayed. It reflects the same ideas. Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. We have such a divided heart as human beings. Unite my heart to fear your name, to revere your name, to hallow your name. Unite my heart. Bring my heart together. One sole purpose in my life. To bring honor and praise you. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. Jesus is showing us in this <clears throat> opening phrase, our Father in heaven, the relationship that we have with God, and the fact that praise is always the doorway into God's presence. Always. Psalm 100 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Look at the program. There's an insert in your program. <clears throat> it says pray in this way, and it's a pattern for prayer. Somebody, I went to a conference about 20 years ago, right when we were starting the church, and the pastor who was leading the conference laid this pattern of prayer out, and I've used it ever since. It's been very helpful for me. And... Um, it begins with praise. It's the tuning in step. We pray. We begin by praising God, praising who He is, what He's done. I, I almost every time I pray, I thank God for the salvation He's brought in Jesus Christ because I'd be lost without it. And and that's how you enter the presence of God through praise and thanksgiving. You you praise Him and thank Him for what <clears throat> He has done in Scripture and in our lives. Um, cooperation is the next step. We're going to look at these over the next several weeks. That's how we connect with God, get on his wavelength. Petition, the receiving step, forgiveness, the healing step, and protection, the can-do step. 
This has been very helpful to me, and we're going to walk through this over the next several weeks. But we start out in prayer by giving the Father what is due him, praise and thanks and honor. Hallowed be your name, Lord. We praise you. There's some next steps on your listening guide and on the uh, connection card that you could take. And you may want to let us know that you're going to take one of these steps. One of them could be to memorize Psalm 104. Just to remember, that's, that's how I enter the presence of God is through praise and thanksgiving. Another one could be to change a faulty approach to prayer. As I talked, maybe a, a, a faulty approach came to mind. One of the errors is, is your own. And so with God's help, you want to change that. Let us know and put that in the offering when it comes by. Maybe you want to add praise and thanks to your, to your daily prayers, to your regular prayer. Maybe you haven't done that. It's been more like a life preserver to you, which is okay. But as you grow in your relationship with God, he's going to want to add more dimension to your prayer life, to your relationship with him. And then finally, you may want to decide, I'm going to attend this series so that I could learn more about prayer. And if you intend to do that, let us know on, on that card and drop it in the offering. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for your love and kindness to us. It, it, it really is amazing that you, you made us, you created us, and so in that sense you're our Father, but <clears throat> when we broke our relationship with you and when we walked away from you, you made a way in Jesus Christ for us to come back into a, a more special relationship as Father. You've adopted us into your family, and we're your children. God, I thank you and praise you for what you've done. We honor your your holy name right now, and I ask that you would help us, each of us.